Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for the privilege to be able to gather together and to encourage one another and exalt one another to love and good deeds. Help us to um, uh, do so more effectively as we receive the exaltation from Ephesians 5 in your word today. Um, Lord, we pray that you may uh, bless us, help us to be more like you, and uh, we pray for our church and uh, elders and uh, the service today and our interactions throughout the week that you may give us all wisdom and uh, help us to walk in wisdom, use our, our time well so that we can please you as we are on the earth. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and amen. amen. All right, so please turn to Ephesians 4. We'll read from verse 30. Ephesians 4, 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. So our text for today, the first uh, 16 verses. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and impurity, all impurity, all covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, no foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Alright, so I entitled the teaching today, The Separation of the Children of Light from the Children of Darkness. So let me highlight a few verses in the passage so you can see 
these um, two themes, the children of light and then the children of darkness, and then the separation that there is to be between us and, and these kinds of uh, practices and the people who practice that when they do so. All right, so verse one, it talks about beloved children. And in verse six, we have the sons of disobedience. It refers back to also um, Ephesians two, where it says you know, that we were all once um, sons of disobedience, children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. So people are born as children of wrath, children of the devil, and then they are born again as the children of God, the children of light. That's when we are transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God's dear son. And you've noticed that the text says that the people who practice evil things, they have no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ. So we keep reading. We find, again, these two groups <coughs> contrasted and compared. Verse 3 talks about the saints. And verse 5, it talks about the idolater. Verse 8 talks about the children of light. And verse 7 says, Do not become partners with them. For at one time you were a darkness, but you are now light. So you note it doesn't say you are in the light. It says you are light. You were darkness. You were evil. You were darkness. But now you are children of light. So the them is the children of darkness, therefore. Verse 10, the fruit of light. Verse 11, the unfruitful works of darkness. So you see these two groups then. And then when it comes to the separation, verse 7 says, therefore do not become partners with them. So that's something that's actually quite um, controversial and uh, not talked about very much and uh, rare to hear um, as far as my experience goes and what I've seen all over the world in the assemblies where I've been. But that's what the Bible says. Because if you spend time with people who are just godless and you just laugh with them, you are going to become just like them. So it says, do not become partners with them. Partners in crime and also just the sheer amount of time you're going to spend with people who do not care about God, it's not going to lead you to Jesus. So it's like Paul says in the Corinthians, you cannot be out of the world so that you never encounter someone who is not a, a, an unbeliever uh, and until this is the time. And we, of course, have to evangelize. But the text has to mean something. And the text is saying, do not, be, do not become partners with them. Verse 11, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. So we're going to see that it's not just that you don't associate with them, but it's also that you say the truth about what this lifestyle or these people or these evils are. You, you speak against that when it's proper and in a proper way. So it's not just passive, you just don't associate with this kind of thing. You also say what it is so that uh, it would be exposed for what it is and uh, people will not be deceived because indeed verse 6 says, let no one deceive you with empty words. So you see this danger and therefore the call for separation. Do not be deceived. You know, people say, and we'll talk about that, but um, hopefully you'll interact a lot. Uh, I, I guess I'll ask you the question right now. So, because he says do not be deceived, 
because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience so let's just uh, flesh it out a little bit so if he says we should not be deceived that means that this is a danger it means it's happening so how are people deceived today with empty words about things that are leading people to hell but they are told no that's no problem it's no sin any example something comes to mind follow your heart yeah so that would be right just follow your emotions and uh, what we believe is follow the Word of God right follow the Word of God um, I was listening to Alistair Begg uh, and uh, he's a pastor and he was saying don't follow your feelings walk by faith and let your feelings catch up with your faith right so it's not about how I feel is what I know to be true and then my feelings are going to align with what I know not the other way around because I'm not the judge of right and wrong in and of myself God is and I'm going to align my heart with God I'm not gonna follow my heart okay good something more specific about deception practically speaking yeah I remember when I was young like a teenager and um this youth minister um, was talking about hanging the small crowds and that they will tell you, you can do this, you're still young, you have time to repent. You know, don't worry about doing so your wild oats. You, know, you still have time. So that's a deceptive, deceitful thing for people to tell you. Yeah, yeah. you know it's wrong, but it's okay to do it because you have time. Let's do it Yeah. That's really good. Yes, it's it, the end of the text. What does the text say at the end? Because the days are evil. They are evil, they are short, they are few, they are to be redeemed. And so the idea, yeah, just waste your time, it's okay, you're young. No, the days are evil. And they are evil if you're young, if you're um, 40, if you're 80, whatever the case may be. Um, the time is the same for everyone. Uh, I like that that you said that because I remember when I was uh, um, also younger uh, in France uh, people would say things like that like right I would share the gospel and they would say um, I want to live my life first see that see the Bible says if you love you wait you don't go and 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 have a sexual intercourse without marriage you don't do that because that's not true love true love waits but you see, I have to enjoy my life before, and then I can come to Jesus. Well, that's not enjoyment at all. See the lie? The lie is, ah, just have fun, and then you can become a Christian because then it's no fun, right? That's not like that. That's no fun. You've met people who became Christian at an older age. What's the regret that they have? Yeah, they don't say, oh boy, it was such a blast, like, Thankfully, I made it just before I died. They say, I wasted my life. That's what they say. You, you get that? So it's not like, wow, I'm going to have such a good time. You're going to waste your life. It's going to wreck your heart. It's going to wreck relationship. It's going to sadden your parents. It's going to be horrible. That's what it is. So it's a terrible life. It's awful. And um, we, we really uh, want to be aware of that. 
so I would tell them, it's not just for eternal life, it's for life right now. Right now with God. Right now with God. Uh, so don't wait. Furthermore, will you be here tomorrow? You don't know, I don't know. Will your heart be so hard tomorrow that you can't even come back? Perhaps. So don't, don't say like, um, like Pharaoh of old, pray for me. Do you pray for yourself right now and you repent? You don't hope for tomorrow or someone else to do something for you. Someone was, yeah? Yeah, as far as deceiving goes, how about the fact that, how, how about this lie that there is no truth, there is no right or wrong, everything is relative and subjective. You know, do what seems right in your own eyes. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, this idea of uh, relativism, that there is no truth, everything is just up to your opinion. Um, this is plain foolishness. Um, you just have to look at the laws of physics. Is the mass of an electron depending on your opinion? It's the same everywhere in the universe. God made it, it is like that, and it doesn't matter what you think, this is, the, this is reality. Um, when people say there's no right and wrong, you argue like that. Because they have empty words, and they are full of truth words. And so you argue like that. So if you say there's no right and wrong, and it's all social construct, and it's all about your opinion, then it means that there is no standard whatsoever. So are you saying that it was totally appropriate for Hitler to massacre, uh, to, to commit a, a massacre of the Jews and kill all of them because it was the law of the land? Are you saying that? Well, no, I'm not saying that. Well, are you saying it's ever allowed for that to happen? Well, no. Are you saying uh, to molest and abuse children is ever allowed and ever okay in any society because the law says so? Well, no. Well, you just prove my point. You see that. So there are things that are clearly evil, and if anybody is going to be consistent, they're going to have to say, oh yeah, it was okay for them because that's what they wanted to do. And then you can show them, you see, that's, that's where your, your, your argument leads to. It leads to unspeakable evil. And on the flip side, everyone everywhere recognizes that humility, love, sacrifice, helping others is good in all the societies. So even though there are gray areas that are gray in our eyes, or perhaps they are a matter of uh, some circumstantial matters, most things are going to be black and white, and people can clearly see it. And so when they go, uh, as it comes to morality, about stealing, about lying, and so on, and so when you, when you have someone saying, oh, it's, it's up to your opinion, you can just explain to them. If you actually think about this a little bit more, you realize that there's no, nothing relative about it. And the only reason they can be anything that's, uh, that's um, fixed for all people everywhere is that God made it. And God is the source of uh, right and, and, uh, and wrong because he's the epitome of good. Uh, the other things uh, you could have uh, thought of or maybe you were thinking about is people today say homosexuality is, is no problem. But it's just, it's love. What's wrong with loving each other? Well, the Bible does not call it love, it calls it lust. And the text starts by saying, walk in love as God loved you, but there is the counterfeit, and that's all kinds of sexual immorality and the like. So people are going to fall for the counterfeit of the prince of darkness, and they are going to go for that, but that's not true at all. Um, let's see. 
And then the text says, at the beginning, says, be imitators of God. Can someone read for us Romans 12, verses 1 and 2? And uh, as uh, you're turning there, I'll read again the first two verses of uh, Ephesians 5. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And then Romans 12. Verses 1 and 2, Romans 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you, that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Thank you. So you see the parallels are manifold. Here it says in Ephesians 5, be imitators of God. And there is therefore, and it comes back to the end of chapter 4, where it says that we are to forgive one another because God in Christ forgave us. So we are to imitate God and forgive each other and love as beloved children. But if you don't, you're going to be conformed to the world. You're not going to be conformed to the word of God and to Christ. You're going to be conformed to the world. So you should imitate God and you should not imitate the children of darkness. See, that's also the contrast in the passage. And uh, it talks about Christ who sacrificed himself. So there's this sacrificial love that he has. And then in a passage that we just heard, it talks about being living sacrifices that are acceptable to God. So Christ sacrificed himself. And we have the ultimate reason for Christian living. This whole passage is about Christian living. It's about what we do and what we don't do. And um, I also heard uh, recently that, um, you know, many people say, oh, Christianity is not a, about a, a list of rules. And of course, there's no truth about that because Christianity is about being, being a friend of God and being close to God and being reconciled to God and have communion with God. But that also flows out with the list of do's and don'ts. Don't we see that in the text? I think we do very clearly. So there is uh, the, uh, the need to think about that. And then the, the motivation is that we have the Holy Spirit. We are sealed and we are empowered. And next week, God willing, we will see that we can be filled with the Spirit of God. So it's about Spirit-filled Christian ethics. It's about Christian living here. This is how. This is how we act. And this is how we don't act. And this is why. Um, and all the motivation is about the love of God. It's the, it's the motivation. Because God is love. And because we've been saved by Christ through the love of God. Then we are, the text says, to walk in love. And that's going to be the motivation for everything. Um, this is just in Christianity, in uh, the false religions such as Islam, uh, there is no such thing. Uh, there is just uh, the so-called holiness of uh, the false god. And that's why people are just obsessed with just vengeance and then justice and fights and all this. Because that's not the highest standard of ethics, because their god is not the true god. Our god is love. And, um, and uh, yes, our, our god uh, punishes. But the Bible doesn't say our God is wrath. 
it says the wrath of God comes, but our Bible says God is love. And so a God is love, and uh, therefore everything that happens in the universe and in our life, it flows out because God is love. Because eternally, before there was anything, there was love between the members of the Trinity, and so now we are to imitate God in forgiving one another, in not lying because God is truth, in being compassionate because God is good, and on and on it goes. So all those things are going to be about uh, imitating God. And then you see the contrast in verse uh, 3. So actually let's do this. We are going to have a quick table with three columns. There will be the do's, walk in light, walk in love, walk in wisdom, the three things that are mentioned in the passage. And there will be the don'ts, and there will be the whys. Because it's, it's very interesting. He says, do this, don't do that, because. And he says that all the time. He says it so many times. So he gives us reasons. These are the reasons to motivate us, to warn us, to explain to us how it works. So. I'll write it a do to make it a short, uh, but you could just as easily uh, write, um, let's say do not because I'm thinking, and then uh, you could just as easily replace that by walk or do not walk, right? At the end of the text it says walk as wise, not as unwise, don't be foolish. Okay, so what is he saying we should do? And sometimes it will correspond to a do not. Yes? Obey God. That's true, but let's stick to the text and try to, to find the phraseology because um, um, we will find gems this way. So verse, uh, verses 1 through 16, specifically what it says. What are the verbs? Huh? Be imitators. Be imitators. All right. So imitators. And uh, the opposite is do not partake, right? Do not imitate the others. Or we say do not be conformed. Okay, something else. Love. Walk in love. So it says walk because walking is just one step at a time. He doesn't say race in love. He says walk in love. That's going to be the daily pattern of your life. And the daily pattern of our life should be loving. And what's the motivation? God loves us. Yes, because of God's love, because of the gospel, because <coughs> Jesus died for us. Next, what do we see in the text? It can be do not uh, as well. No filthiness or foolish talk or food joking. That's right. So I'm just going to summarize no evil speaking. And what else should we have if we don't have that? So in the text huh? Thanksgiving. And why? Yes, because we have an inheritance in Christ. And what else? Verse 3. It says, 
as is proper among the saints because it's just not proper that's not fitting you see that it's encouraging you are children of light it's not proper for you to talk like that that's not who you are it just is like it says in verse 4 it's out of place see that it has no place in your life so we just write this it's not proper it's out of place okay so then just think about this it's not just when we come to church um, I've heard people say well it says this here but it's just when you come on Sunday like you don't talk like that on Sunday but it's okay to do it outside because it says among you see what kind of foolishness that is so it's okay then to steal kill destroy not forgive murder talk like a pagan as long as you are not in the house of God are you kidding me it's ridiculous absolutely ridiculous um, but now let's talk about the house of God you can recall sometimes when we talk to each other in the church and this is just not how you ought to talk how about the sermon there's jokes that are made things that are mentioned this has no place no place see that so you hear things and just we just don't say that we, we don't talk like that people talk uh, in, with graphic details about uh, about sexuality or whatever else the case may be in sermons uh, people who have uh, destroyed their reputation as pastors for example but it says they should not even be named you see that wow so I was reading um, I was reading um, this gentleman Matthew Henry and he said the pagans they just do those things openly and they are unashamed but the Christians they don't even want to talk about it see the difference big difference huge difference so uh, it says all uh, all sexual immorality the word is pornea uh, you can see the connection with the word we use in English and uh, it means all kinds of things so it's he doesn't say a couple things here and there about sex he uses the word that captures everything so whatever people can come up with it's all in that word and he says do not do it and then he says all impurity and then he says greed so oftentimes uh, Bible commentators have noticed that uh, sexual sins immoral sins and greed they really go together and the um, evil uh, sex related industries in the world they make a ton of money see it's all just fueled by greed and this is how it all connects it's same for all the impurity I mean you look at those commercials just filthy stuff horrible stuff and decent stuff right very often and why do they do this because they want to make a ton of money and they don't care or people who go uh, let's say I just thought about that the, the, the halftime show of the Super Bowl right and then they do a horrible performance why do they do this because they want to be talked about they want to have people talk about them because they know they will make more money all connected to this greed and then he says those things they should not even be named among us so that got me thinking because of course we don't want to just be pointing our fingers to the world we want to see where is that hitting home a little bit so I can change because 
mind us, it says that he's writing to the Christians. And therefore, they can be tempted to not be where they should be about those things, right? So why are we talking about things that we own or we want to own or money? Things about covetousness, about greed. Uh, and then we shouldn't even mention any of that. So, you know, I think some believers do this all the time. You know, I mean, you don't, you don't have to go far to hear these things. Right? When we get together in different settings uh, that are not church, uh, people let their guard down a little bit. But uh, uh, I, I think it's because there's another deception uh, that, that says let your conscience be your guide. Mm. And uh, but instead of being led by the Spirit, and I think because you know, you know they tie one of the teams that is talking about purity. He says, uh, "To the pure, all things are pure, but to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their minds and their consciences are defiled." Mm. And as believers, our conscience is not defiled anymore. It's been made pure right. uh, by the atoning work of Christ, by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. But I think we forget that. Right. Thanks for sharing. Yes, yeah, so we should not be led by our uh, consciences. As Christians, we have a, a purified conscience. So we, we do need to inform it with the Word of God as well, because there are many things we don't know and we need to learn. Um, that's good. Uh, so the thing I wanted to share is just think about things that we say that should not even be named. Things that would be pertaining to just talking about the value of things or money or the pursuit of things that are just a manifestation of covetousness or greed. And we should not even talk like that. You know, we may not say that's greed, but this is what it is. Look. See? So, we um, should be very careful about just what we say. We should think about what we say more. I certainly should. Right? So just think about what, what, why, how am I speaking at times uh, and it's just greed or boasting, right? Oh, my house is worth this. Have you seen how it... Oh, oh like, see how much money he makes? Oh, like, what if I won the lottery? You know, whatever the case may be. Just greed and covetousness. We shouldn't do that. Or oh, people make jokes about sensual, obscene things. We shouldn't do that. Ever. How about this one? It's all day, every day on the talk shows. CNN, Fox News, I don't care which one. I know, you see how they talk 30 seconds in it? You know you have no place there. It's, you are out of place. They just make jokes. They just are, are making fun of people. They're mocking people. They are crude. They're rude. We don't have any business with that. Nothing. Seriously. In fact, many times when you watch the TV and political um, news, what they are doing, they are just, they are just, uh, uh, slandering other people. It's non-stop, non-stop. Because you have to have proofs. You can't just spew uh, accusations on people like that. Hmm? So we have to be very discerning that we just don't spend time with people like that. We don't say things like that. And uh, Psalm 1, Psalm 1 says, uh, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, does not sit in the seat of scoffers does not walk in the way of sinners. And that's dangerous. It's all over the place. Psh. And so then I was thinking, wow, I'm probably doing that way too much with some of the movies I watch. And I'm going to tell you why. 
Imagine you're with a friend at church and you just sit down and it starts to talk about like a, a story with someone who's just like murdered and it's just a whole plot of vengeance or whatever the case may be. And then, you know, and then you, there's this story. Like, oh, that's just not a good story. Why are you saying that? You know, we shouldn't talk about that. And then we kind of see that clearly like, yeah, no, let's, let's, not, let's not talk about that. That's not helpful. Uh, but then, you know, we watch a movie where it's just, they're all just telling us this uh, garbage story for two hours. Seriously, that's the same thing. What's the difference? So it doesn't mean that we cannot watch anything on TV. I mean, the other day I was watching a, a, a true story of, uh, of uh, Navy SEALs that were defending a, a U.S. consulate in 2012 in, in Libya. That was just heroic military work that's definitely praised by God. And it's beautiful to see this, uh, this uh, work done in memory of those heroes. Okay, that's fine. And there are plenty of other uh, areas where you could think, you know, sci-fi in different ways you know there are all kinds of good things uh, Narnia and many things that are just fine uh, but there's also a bunch of garbage and I think we just need a lot of discernment because it says the text says it's one of the things that we ought to do it says try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord do you see that let's find the verse it says Verse 10, all right? So discerning, discerning the will of God. What is pleasing to God? <coughs> Do not become partners, verse 7. So this one, I have tracked the Greek word to see a little bit where it connects. And here is what I found. I found that the same word is used of the unity of Jews and Gentiles in Christ, in the church. Ephesians 3.5, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. See, they are just... We are the same in nature, in mission. We are all united in Christ for the gospel. And it says, don't be united like that with the unbelievers. So, you cannot possibly do any Christian ministry with people who are not Christians. Did you hear that? So, for example, if you are going to be doing evangelism, you don't associate with people who don't have the right gospel. The Mormons, the Jehovah's Witnesses, you don't. They're not Christians. You don't partner with them. You're not united with them. They're not Christians. If you are going to have a, a church meeting, you don't hire uh, musicians who are not Christians to serve in the worship of God. They're not Christians. How is that going to be a sweet aroma to the Lord? So let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. First Corinthians chapter 5 verse 1. So this passage is talking about church discipline 
where someone who has sinned and refused to repent and, and has done something that's a scandal is going to be put out of the church so that God will be honored because the church is to be pure and free of people practicing sins without repentance. So that's what the text says. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans. For a man has his father's wife, and you are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. For though absent in body, I am present in spirit, and if present, I have already pronounced a judgment on the one who did such a thing. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan, that is to put him out of the church where Christ is, is the protection, and put into the world where Satan is the ruler. To Satan for the destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit might may be saved in the day of the Lord. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as you really are unleavened. For Christ our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy or swindlers or idolaters since then, you would need to go out of the world. But now, I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? Little uh, footnote here. Yes, the Bible says uh, it is something that we ought to do at times, to judge. Right? People say, do judge not, lest you be judged. Well, they forget the context. The context is about not being a hypocrite where you're just saying something but you're doing twice as more. You know, the context is about uh, seeing people who have good fruit and bad fruit. And so here it said, the church is to judge. We're not to say, oh, we don't know if that's right or wrong. We are to say that's wrong. So the church is to judge, uh, specifically led by the elders and the congregation is going to be seeing those things very clearly for what they are as well. God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. So you see the separation here. And then there's this um, passage about light and darkness that we're going to see. The passage is in the next chapter, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, which talks about the fact that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And that's all connected to the verse that we read in 430, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So we have the Holy Spirit, he's inside. If we sin against God, we are gonna make him grieve and we're gonna grieve as well. We're not gonna have the joy of salvation. And so we're not to do that. And again, on the topic of separation, uh, we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership See, do not be partners with them. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial, a false god? And what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? 
What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. So you see how God calls for the separation of the children of light from the children of darkness. Sure, we evangelize people, sure we love them, sure we'll help them, but we do not partake in any way, shape or form in spiritual ministry, or we are not a friend with the world, we don't spend excessive time with them, certainly not in any time or circumstance where there is sin. I remember the bad advice from a family member long ago when I was a very young Christian, that I was supposed to go with my cousin to a, 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 a dance club so I could be a witness to him. And sadly, I did go. But the Bible says that we don't partake with our sin. You don't go in the mud sinning to rescue someone from that sin. You share the gospel and you keep yourself pure. That's what you do. You see that? Very important. So 2 Corinthians 11.2 For I feel, says Paul to the church, a divine jealousy for you since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. See, that's why. That's why we ought to separate from those practices and people who are just going to be bad influences, at least in so far as, uh, you know, they are practicing those things. We don't spend time with them because we want to be pure for Jesus Christ. That's why God says, uh, uh, purge the evil from among you because the church is going to be pure. Can you imagine if you just left people in the church pretending to be Christians and members in good standing who are just practicing every kind of evil? Then people would say, oh, why should I come to the church? You see, that's what they do. See that? What a terrible testimony that would be. Yes. That's kind of difficult because you don't hang with them, but you have to be with them in order to teach them the right thing. So there, there's a fine line That's right. in my mind. Um, how far I go? If I only associated with other Christians, I would never have the opportunity to persuade someone to Very good. Yeah. So it's not that we don't spend time with uh, non Christians, otherwise, how can we witness to them? That's the other deception. You hear people say all the time, well, Jesus hung out with sinners. Everybody heard that, that, that statement, right? You can hang out with sinners. You proclaim God's truth to sinners. Uh, he wasn't hanging out being friends with them. He was, he, was, he was being present there saying, this is the way, the truth, and the life. Right? And so uh, our only friendships with, with unsaved people are, are not the same friendships that we have with believers. We are partners. Paul says, I think it's in Philippians, we're partners in the gospel, right? So that means uh, that's a that's godly partnership, that's godly fellowship. But whenever we're with unbelievers, our only motivation should be not to be their friend, but to proclaim the gospel. Because that, that's the only thing that's, that's worthwhile, right? Might, might, might be friending a, a, a pagan, an unbeliever, does them no good, right? But proclaiming the gospel to them uh, does them eternal good. 
right? So that's 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 where we hold the line. There is no actually it's a black and white line. Right, and there is a verse that we saw in Jude that really summarizes those things, right? It's in Jude um, 22. And on some, well, let's even look back to verse 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. So Jude just before Revelation, there's uh, no chapter because there is only one chapter, so to speak. So verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And on some people have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. It's a good picture of, yes, we really want to help them, but we are not going to engage in anything that's going to stain us. See that? And we're going to have uh, a godly hatred for those evil things, which is going to hate sin, right? And so th this is where the line is. Uh, but uh, again, we should be seeking discernment as far as what should we separate from, uh, who is just not going to be, you know, there are people, they have told you they don't want to have anything to do with the gospel, and, and the only way you would be spending time with them would be defile, defilement to you, so you don't. Uh, and, uh, and God will give us wisdom for the details and practice so we can trust in him that he knows how to lead us to do his will. Um, and so then we should not partner with them because if we will not re reprove them, right? It says do not take part in the, any, uh, the unfruitful works of darkness but rather expose them. So it's not just passive, I don't, I don't engage. It's active, I expose and so if we won't do it, God is going to reprove us. So if you look at the, uh, the, the use of the word, <clears throat> it says in 5.11, Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. And the same word is used in Revelation 18, when there is uh, Babylon and uh, the evil principles uh, and um, practices of the world. And it says... Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. See that? He's saying, you come out of the world. You're not like that. That's not what you do. You don't partake of their sins, because otherwise you're going to receive the judgment just as they will. And this can be twofold. It can be one. You think you're a Christian, but look, you're not. Look how you live. You're not of light. You're of darkness. Look how you live. Just be honest with yourself. And if that's how you live, then do not be deceived. You know this for sure. No one who's practicing all the things he lists will inherit the kingdom of God. So if you are practicing sin like that, uh, you are not a Christian. And you need to be saved. And don't fool yourself. You're not going to go to heaven. That doesn't work like that. You see, God will not be mocked. God is holy. God is love. God is wonderful. You don't want to have anything to do with God right now. You won't be with Him then. So you need to be saved. But then if you're a Christian and you're practicing those things for a time or you, know, you fall, you have to repent and you have to expose that. Because if you don't, you're going to be disciplined. You're going to be reproved by God. So you see, all the whys, He gives us many whys. Because of the love of God, because of the gospel, because of, the, the, of heaven, the inheritance, because it's not proper for you, because it's out of place, because God's judgment will come. 
right? All those things. He is just giving us plenty of encouragement. One text that I did not quote just yet, but that's uh, going to be a good text to quote right now, because uh, it comes from 1 John. So in 1 John, it, it talks about love a lot. And it talks about the children of darkness and the children of light. And then it tells us that this is how you, you live. This is who you are, if indeed you are born again. And so what I'm about to read will tell us again that the love of God is the motivation for us living the Christian life. And secondly, that the love that we have for others and for God is the proof that we are the children of light. In other words, by love we are motivated to serve God and by love we show that we are truly Christians. And we're not talking about being perfect here because none of us is, but we're talking about having a heart that sincerely desires to please God and a heart that sincerely loves Jesus Christ. So, 1 John, it's 1 John, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. 1 John 3, verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, that is Jesus Christ, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. So anyone who is a Christian who is waiting on Jesus, he doesn't talk all day long about, you know, the news. He is seeking to be pure for Jesus Christ. And that's because of the love of God. Now we keep reading in verse 7, Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, that is, is saved, as God is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed, that is the Holy Spirit, abides in him and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God, born of the Spirit. See, when someone is born again by the Holy Spirit and the Spirit is inside, there's no way on earth the person is the same as before and keeps doing evil things without repentance or confession. That's not a Christian. A Christian is changed. By this, it is evident, verse 10, that we are the children of God. And who are the children of the devil? Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. In verse 14, we know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Verse 17, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. You see that? That love shows us that we are the children of God and it's the ultimate motivation to love others. And if we say we love others, it's got to show. We can't just say, yes, I love you and then go home and be filled and I give you no help. We have to actually do something. We have to actually do something. And then there's this verse in the passage in Ephesians 5 that says, 
Arise, you sleeper. Arise from the dead. So this is someone who is not saved. And this is a call to be saved. It says, become a Christian. Come out of this dead pattern of life. Arise from the dead. Christ will shine on you. And that's a quote from Isaiah, where the glory of the Lord is shining on people. And so the Lord, that's God, in Paul's quotation, he identifies him as Jesus Christ, because Jesus is God. And he's saying that you can be changed. There is hope. You can become a Christian. You can live in the light. You can be light. Uh, just like Jesus, who is the light of the world, you can be the, the uh, person who receives the exaltation from Jesus in the Sermon of the Mount when he says, you are the light of the world. So now we are to shine and, and be a blessing for people. You can be like that. You have to uh, repent and believe. Repent of your sins and believe that Jesus Christ is the only Savior and that He died for sins and that He rose from the dead on the third day. And now He is risen as our King and He prays for us and He's coming back to judge the living and the dead. If you believe that, you embrace Him, the light of Christ shines on you and you will be saved. And this is how Paul got saved. Paul said in his testimony when he was before uh, a governor and uh, he was a prisoner and he was accused he said in Acts 26 verse 18 that Jesus told him I'm sending you to open the eyes the eyes of um, the Gentiles so that they may turn from darkness to light from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me so Paul saw the light, the bright shining light of Jesus Christ. He became a Christian. He had uh, eyes that were uh, closed and had scales. And God gave him sight to see the light. And then he's saying, now I'm sending you. And you're going you're gonna to be an instrument by the power of the gospel. So people who are in darkness can have eyes open to the light. And no longer be slaves of Satan, but be with God. And so that's, that's, that's Paul's testimony. It's uh, also my testimony that I can share the gospel and people can be saved. It's your testimony that we are going to be, uh, we are sent by Jesus to help people come to the kingdom of light. So in conclusion, I'll summarize a few things and then I'll read a poem from C.T. Studd. We saw that we should not walk selfishly and lustfully but walk in love, imitating God. So do not walk selfishly, walk in love. Do not speak like a pagan. Let all your words be edifying to others and thankful to God. Do not be deceived into sin by empty lies. Discern the truth by the word to please God. Do not walk in darkness, walk in the light. Do not fellowship with or commend sin shun and expose it which is why by the way it's proper to talk about false teachers of our day and name them because otherwise people don't know do not partner with sons of darkness for sin partner with jesus and the children of light do not walk foolishly examine the path and walk in wisdom do not waste your life and your time redeem the time and please god while on earth and the reasons because God the Father loved you because Jesus died for you because the Holy Spirit of God is in you 
because this is not who you are anymore because it's not proper for you dear saint because people go to hell because of that and because the days are evil C.T. Studd he wrote a poem <clears throat> he lived from 1860 to 1931 <clears throat> the poem is entitled Only One Life will soon be passed. Two little lines I heard one day, traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart and from my mind would not depart. Only one life, twill soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes only one, soon will its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day my Lord to meet and stand before his judgment seat. Only one life, twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, the still small voice, gently pleads for a better choice, bidding me selfish aims to leave and to God's holy will to cleave. Only one life, twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, a few brief years, each with its burdens, hopes, and fears, each with its clays I must fulfill, living for self or in his will. Only one life, twill soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. When this bright world will tempt me sore, when Satan would a victory scroll, when self would seek to have its way, then help me, Lord, with joy to say, Only one life, twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Give me, Father, a purpose deep, In joy or sorrow, thy word to keep. Faithful and true, whatever the strife, Pleasing thee in my daily life. Only one life, twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Oh, let my love with fervor burn, and from the world now let me turn, living for thee and thee alone, bringing thee pleasure on thy throne. Only one life, twill soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one, now let me say, thy will be done. And when at last I heal the call, I know I'll say it was worth it all. Only one life, twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And when I am dying, how happy I'll be if the lamp of my life has been burned out for thee. So look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil, our God is good, the church is betrothed to Jesus, and some elects are still lost. Amen? Let's pray. Dear God, we praise you, we adore you. Help us to use our time and our life in a way that will please you. Uh, give us, Lord, to redeem the time. Give us, Lord, to uh, not be attracted or pleased with things that are a waste of time things that are not edifying, things that do not bring us close to you.
Help us, Lord, to walk in love, to walk in light, to walk in wisdom. For your glory and your honor. Amen. Amen.